Hey, welcome. We're back. It's Sunday, August 30th, 2020. And um, I always like to give you guys a little um, friendly consumer warning prior to start listening to the <laughs> Sunday podcast. That way we can say later, we did warn you. That's right. That's the, all we're doing now is we're covering our bases. This is the disclaimer. This is a small print for the Sunday show. On the Sunday show, we are not going to talk about the normal things we talk about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on the daily podcast. If you want, obviously, you want drill down business stuff specifically pertaining to real estate, then listen to those shows. On Sunday is where Julie and I are doing our decompression, where we're decompressing from the previous week. Um, we're sharing with you guys things that we're looking forward to. Uh, you know, generally speaking, Julie and I are you know, p- perhaps overly optimistic people, but we try to sort of tether ourselves to the earth by looking for information that will shock us out of our confirmation bias. And so on this show, Julie and I will sometimes debate and talk about different things. But a lot of times we just talk like to talk about crazy stuff. <laughs> yes, because it's more fun. Because it's fun, yeah. Like we talked a couple Sundays ago about how there's no Bigfoot in Puerto Rico. And then a lot of you guys were kind enough to share with us. <laughs> not just Bigfoot. Yeah, Chupacabra, is that it? Chupacabra, yeah. Yeah, and then it uh, turns out the Bigfoot here uh, in uh, Puerto Rico is... How do we say this? Much meaner and uglier than the any of the ones. Serious. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's seriously good. Uh, you know, I have a good. I have my uh, application for my Bigfoot calls. I actually have it on my phone. I could do. start doing Bigfoot noises in the background <laughs> during our podcast today. That would be but, good. But yeah, so the point is, is that on Sunday we talk about whatever we want to talk about, and I usually will have um, dosed Julie with a, with a healthy barrage of arbitrary news that I found from random. just random stuff just to sort of keep her on her toes. Um, but yeah, so that's what Sunday is. And it, it just, you know, just get ready because I'm telling you, it's usually kind of bizarre things we talk about. <laughs> that's it. Yes, Disclaimer over. <laughs> Anything so, goes. So Julie, I have a question for you. And this yes. is the one thing I did prepare. Okay. Actually, my question. And I thought no of fair, about, but okay. I thought of it about three minutes ago. Ah. So just if you were to start with a absolutely... You know, not thinking about what you're going to say and just say the first answer that comes to your mind when I ask this question. Ready? Okay. So what are the first, what are the top three most prevalent thoughts in your mind right now? What are the, what are the three things that you're working on uh, personal or professional right now? Hmm, That's a good question. Oh, let's see. Top three things. I'm actively trying to listen to, uh, whether it's podcasts and or read things that uh, are maybe a little bit out of the real estate wheelhouse just for variety. Listeners, do you see how she's working through answering the question? Well, but I, I'm trying question? to think what's... I'm, this well, is what out is, of priority. This is just my initial Random. reaction. Okay? Top three things. Yes, I'm actively trying to make sure that I stay frosty on a multitude of different things. Okay, yep. One of them being Spanish because of the kid. Okay, okay. Another one of them, I, I really like... Uh, historical things with a little bit of a housing twist to it okay so like uh things about royal families and you know stuff that not everybody would be interested in but i i think it's interesting especially our historic homes in this country i think everybody that's in real estate should know something about architecture so that's just you know a random thing that i like to pursue second thing um obviously is fun stuff for us to do in the upcoming 12 months not just you know tons of podcasts and coaching calls which is all good but also you know doing and seeing different things that are on our our goals list and then of course 
keeping the kid from going feral with uh, the advent of homeschool and all that that encompasses. Those are my top three. My top three would be, I'm really intrigued by this whole inflation versus deflation debate. I I think that's really fascinating. We talk about it on our normal podcast. We might touch on it here, but that's really incredible just to sort of try to, you know, place your bets on which side of the inflation deflation debate. And when I, what I'm beginning to see happen, where I'm mm-hmm. believing going to happen, and this is what's really going to be crazy, is I think there's actually, you know, there can be uh, two things can be true at the same time. And I think we're actually yeah. going to experience inflation and deflation at the same time. We can, you know, bounce back, mm-hmm. that back and forth on today's podcast. That would be the first one. And on from a personal note, I hope the gym opens up. Yes. Yes. I miss definitely going to the gym. I miss all of our gym buddies. Not instead of our walks, but in addition to, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Six mile sojourns. And the third thing I have to say that's definitely top of my mind is are all the people I talked to in the past week and then are scheduled to talk with in the following week about EXP Realty. Mm -hmm. Those are, I'd say, matter of fact, I'd put everything in the reverse order. I was just making my list of all the people that uh, have texted me asking about EXP Realty and the the rate of people asking me has increased by almost it's huge it's huge mm-hmm. it is and um i think i have a list right now of maybe 20 people that i'm following up with mm-hmm. um and tomorrow and tuesday and the reason is obvious because exp realty it, it sort of <laughs> I, I guess i feel grateful for our involvement mm-hmm. i really me do too. i feel very much in gratitude not just because of the financial benefits but also because all the great people we've come to know and some of the most important people in our lives right now i, I have you thought about this some of yeah, the most important absolutely. most influential people in our lives we've met in the past 18 months through exp mm-hmm. realty but isn't that insane for us to say that because it's I not know. like we've been repre- we replete that. of good experiences no but it's interesting and it's great i was just texting with one of our friends from exp this morning who's probably going to move here and we were talking about schools and stuff and moved to puerto rico yeah yeah so that's exciting. That's cool. But uh, yeah, and those, you know, those 20 people that you're following up with, those are just the ones that are more obvious in your email and your text and your voicemail. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of our listeners that are thinking about it, ruminating on it, you know, doing their research. So yeah, I, I'm excited about it too. It's pretty I, awesome. I wonder when I see um, like EXP and all these other companies that are sort of emerging to be the new industrial leaders of the next, you know, mm-hmm. however long, generation, two, three generations, you know, normally really great real estate ideas and particular concepts they last usually about 30 years then something replaces them mm-hmm. i mean remax historically that's remax true. came before keller williams and now exp is obviously going to be the king of them all but it's fascinating to um be in the com- be involved in the company at this time because of the fact that it's growing at such a rapid clip mm-hmm. and seeing all the incredible talent that it's attracting definitely the number the not just the sheer numbers of people but the just this past week, just as a for example, mm-hmm. I had conversations, and I'm not going to tip my hand as to who, with a former CEO of a major real estate company who is going to join. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with, um, actually, indirectly, with one of the top 10 people. Actually, I'll, well, I already said 10. One of the top 10 teams at Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. So who are moving over. Yeah. I had another conversation, ironically enough, with someone who's one, one another team in a different part of the country than this first one. Also with Berkshire Hathaway, one of the mm-hmm. top uh, 15 teams, basically. And I had a conversation with, I mean, the list goes on and on. And so what we're seeing is, or what I'm experiencing anyway, are a lot of uh, teams and brokerages that are switching over because the economics makes sense. And you actually wrote down a kick-ass term. You showed it to me right prior to the show today. Make sure I get it right. Yeah, get it right. 
decision compression. Yeah, that's what's happening right now in the country. Yeah. All these things that normally would have taken. And I found that was the other thing. I, actually, Julie, I have to say, mm-hmm. uh, again, this is an informal podcast. And I know I'm just going to talk to Julie like I talked to Julie. And I'm not going to worry whether you guys are <laughs> taking it the wrong way or not. But I have to say, you and I really kicked ass about all the things we predicted what could happen back I've, in February. Yes. Can you believe it? Honestly, how I are know. we that smart? I hope we can be that smart again. Probably I, you not, know, though. I think some of it, yes, thank you, Pastor Tim and Julie, for doing your research and having it together and being, you know, yeah, but we right pre- about Julie, most things. But it's everything. not that we wanted to be right about these no. things. Some of them are, you know. But we did. I, I know, but we I did. But back. here's the thing. I think it's because we've become armchair economists and because we study this stuff. I wouldn't give and us we, that much credit. And I said armchair. I didn't say actual economists. <laughs> I, I would say. And, and we don't just read <laughs> random headlines that, you know. We're milk crate economists. We sit on milk crates. Yeah. Well, it, who knows why? I don't know. Really, honestly. I'm just but talking. Who, it's the combination probably of you and I being history nerds. Yeah. Being uh, not afraid of change. Um, essentially, well, we have to give some credit to the people that we talk to every week too, oh, because yeah, you know plans. we're very tuned in, not just to our local market like most of our listeners, because you guys have to be hyper focused on your local market, but because we listen, because we speak with hundreds of agents between ourselves, our coaching calls, my premier coaching call, talking with all of our Harris certified coaches. You know, we're I think we have a pretty good beat on what's going on out there. Along those lines, Julie, you just reminded me of something. It was kind of funny. We had early on, back in uh, early February, maybe the mm-hmm. second week, someone who was associated with it, maybe a coaching client whose husband works at the FDIC or works at the SBA or something. Remember, was that a DC? Mm-hmm. And you you sent me this Remind clip me. of notes that this person sent that uh-huh. was totally, completely from an informal meeting that happened. Mm-hmm. And this informal meeting was basically, and, and she, it was either a she or he said, this is what was expected to come out. Uh-huh. And then you and I used our further research based on that particular, you know, gamut mm-hmm. of content. Mm-hmm. And then you had another client who's either husband or wife, don't remember what, was working um, in the Pentagon, remember? Had clients working in the Pentagon. Okay, had clients working in the Pentagon, yeah. and then uh, they said that something Some had confidential never... Confidential intel. Confident. Well, th- you know, they told their realtor who told their coach, so I don't know yeah, how confidential but I, that yeah, is. No, I'm, I'm not sharing <laughs> names, but yes, yes, basically, yeah. Yes, but there were some things that had happened, in, that were happening in the Pentagon that basically had never happened before, yeah. as far as, um, you know, all the... What was it? All it well, the, it was anticipated unrest, and that they right. were kind of uh, polishing off their plan of where they're going to stash governors and senators yeah. and... You know, hires well, up should the unrest actually hit. So that was a, that was some insider information that they yep. were actually talking about implementing. I don't remember the name of the plan, but we reported on it on the website yep. and on the and show. that was pretty early on. Yeah, and then it was maybe it was in March, I think, that we actually started hearing, and it was completely from the fringe news sources, and then basically it was admitted to be true, that the Pentagon uh, situation that we just told you about actually was meeting to implement something that was – only implemented in times of war. And it was where they essentially legally, comma, top operatus, or I don't remember what, they can essentially allow U.S. troops to be active on domestic soil, which is actually illegal. And they, and somehow, Mm -hmm. I don't, again, I'm not, my Latin sucks. No, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, and and they didn't, what was it, B-52s and stuff were flying over, you know, all kinds of things. And And the normal press didn't hear about it, normal press didn't talk about it. Well, we took all these little smatterings of bits of information, which happens from, you know, the fact that we have tens of thousands of people listen to us every day in the coaching business forever, you know, and that's where we started to 
really formalize what our opinions were. And we predicted exactly based, I mean, obviously we didn't pull it out of a crystal ball. We just, and we told you guys about all these sources before. And, and so that's how we kind of knew it was going to happen. And furthermore, these same sources and other ones are now telling us what they're hearing are, is going to happen over the rest of this year into next year. And so when Julie and I are giving you guys predictions about inflation versus deflation, it's fascinating for me to hear all these real economists, not just Julie and I, who are, are, are actually giving really great arguments for both things happening. And then, and then you sort of like gather your own local sort of, you know, mm-hmm. help and for opinions. And then you come up with these really, really convoluted sort of amazing things. And, and so last week, we know it actually was about a month ago now, mm-hmm. you and I started predicting there was going to be somewhat of a renaissance that was going to happen in the economy on a whole, but certainly in real estate. Mm-hmm. And we're starting, and the renaissance being, can you just give them a real quick snap well, of that? you know, uh, kind of a reawakening, a new enthusiasm, lots of creativity, um, you know, definitely moving forward in a multitude of different areas at the same time. But, you know, real estate is clearly the front runner of the economy right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, exactly. You're taking things that normally would have taken a generation to have happen, acceptance of ideas, really. That's really well, what the issue is. Well, it's related, I think, to decision compression. Yeah, exactly. Things happening more quickly. And that that's, you know, I mean, you could call that a revolution if you wanted to, revolution of ideas and of online technology. I think it's but, all wrapped up into, a, you know, a renaissance of sorts. Yeah, for sure. But what yeah. it really is, and unlike the renaissance, which lasted hundreds of years, this mm-hmm. is going to last, obviously, maybe five or less. But you're seeing this a quick acceptance. Like, for example, they could have always – online schools have been around forever. Sure. Right? And now – but online schools were always seen as sort of like, yeah. They didn't know. get the same love. They're like the best of the rest, best yeah. case scenario, yeah. right? Nobody really took them serious. Well, it's because the existing institution, if you want to call it that, was doing everything it possibly could to minimize the effect sure. of online schools because it made them obsolete. You know, and then what happened? And then look at all these other industries where the exact same thing mm-hmm. is happening, where there's this revolution that normally would have taken, I mean, seriously, yeah, a, a generation. Absolutely. You never would have questioned loading up Zoe every morning at you know, the crack of dawn no. to take her to school. You never, that just would have been your life for the next, yeah. you know, and her life for the next 20 or 18. How well, old is she? It, <laughs> 12 years. How many years. grades you want her to get through? Hold on, 12 years, yeah. Yeah. And, and, but now, because of this, yeah. that's not going to happen. Well, and even, you know, most people thought it was kind of a strange request to do a presentation on video. Oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you, right? And now, if you don't offer it, you're the freak, you know? Well, so, you know, one of the things we're going to start talking about more on our podcast is how to do a really effective video listing presentation. Actually, mm-hmm. we're going to give you the overview on the podcast, and then Julie's going to talk about more on PC. But that's one of the things everyone's going to have to be really good at, because here's the thing. Even after, and let's, oh my gosh, did you hear that Trump was suggested during the his uh, uh, RNC speech that he was basically saying there might be a vaccine for yeah. the uh, coronavirus by the end of the year? I know. You know, talk about... That would be an amazing thing. Again, talk about a kickoff for a real party, real renaissance, you know. But seriously. Imagine when that happens. Yeah. Talk about partying on the street. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, people criticize, you know, oh, these predictions and how can he claim this and that. But, you know, with the Operation Warp Speed and so many different doctors and scientists working on it all over the world. Yep. I, I think it'll happen. I yep. do. And they have the you know, mean, therapy and the whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, long story short is that we're in this area, this era of American history that uh, Julie and I have researched to try to find a parallel for. Uh, and we haven't been able to find anything. Yep. There hasn't been anything that's – you could argue maybe World War II, truthfully. World War II and certainly after World War II, that would probably be another era where you had 
at just a massive amount of change, especially in the United States economy and you know industrialism and the rest of it. But right now, we're definitely going to experience something that's going to feel very much like a boom. We already are. So how does that affect housing, obviously, is where our dominant thoughts go. And, and I always start, well, in the most practical, tactical way, how does it affect our individual practitioners, our, our clients? Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that always draws me back is trying to clear their head of misinformation. Yes. I wrote a question down the other day, and I started working on this. I didn't get very far with it. I told you this question. Um, Tell me. Uh, remember, I, we, you were helping, you were t- I was brainstorming with myself, and I said, so why does real estate have an 85% failure oh, right. rate, basically? Within, what, 18 months? 18 months. months. I think? Yeah. And, and here's, here are the questions, right? And mm-hmm. these are obviously designed to be somewhat antagonistic, and um, what would be the other word less than antagonistic? Making you think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Introspective. We'll Introspective, say. right. So do does real estate have an eighty five percent failure rate because agents don't do enough branding? <laughs> does it real estate have an eighty five percent failure rate because agents don't buy enough leads? Does real estate have an eighty five percent failure rate within eighteen months because agents don't form teams? Mm-hmm. Does real estate have an eighty five percent failure rate because agents don't know how to do social networking and make TikTok videos? Does real estate have a 85% failure rate? You guys can go down all the list of all the things that people, once they get into real estate, are told that are important they should be thinking about. And then you got to go back. If those things were really valid, why is 85% of all agents, once they get their licenses within 18 months, failing? Why is that true? Is it possibly because none of those things really matter? Have you guys ever considered that? So I had this interesting text exchange going back and forth, and I could actually read it. I could find it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, should I find it? You should. It was really interesting. Uh, I think they should right, hear I it. I do. It. I think right, well, you got. I gotta look at my phone, so you gotta. Well, so the ramp up to that while you're looking. I. I don't um, have my yes. Okay. Well, so what Tim? I think what you're looking up has to do with somebody trying to market to us. I'll for, send it when yeah. I find it. Okay. Well, at any rate, when you guys hear this, I want you to uh, think about when people are pitching you, and. You know, imagine also yourself trying to pitch us because this person did not know who they were talking to, which I think made it that much more interesting. I might have a hard time finding um, this. Well, we that was just the, talk about that it. was the gist of it, though. Well, the exchange was hilarious. And though. I thought I I have to say for the other side because you know I know our side of things. Um, I was impressed that this individual did not give up. So that was kudos to them. He sent me a spam text. Long story short, and he obviously had scraped our information from some god knows what source thinking we were a real estate agent or I was a real estate agent um, that was uh, looking to, you know, do the dumb things that normal real estate agents do when they get licenses or when they're thinking about their businesses. So this exchange, hopefully I can find it. Use a search. Um, I will. Yeah. This exchange, basically what it did was as him and I going back and forth and he was essentially trying to sell me into why I needed all the things that I know I didn't need. And listening to what he was, uh, how he was saying, or what he was saying, I'd have to do more in-depth search. Okay, well, and so I think what he was asking about was uh, giving more exposure. He was coming from like if you were a realtor, right? I think I found it versus the coaching business. I think that was correct, and because you asked him questions. Okay, I found it. <clears throat> yeah, about real. All right, so yeah, to this guy's point, though, honestly, it's more of a compliment than an insult. He mm-hmm. was trying to he's trying to sell snake oil for sure. But the reality of it is, is the manner in which he was trying to sell this, I thought was actually very effective in that he wasn't trying to lie to me. He was not like when I'd asked him a question, trying to corner him into lying, he didn't actually try to take the bait. So I appreciate that. So I'm going to read this to you. I'm not going to mention his name. 
Hi, Julie, are you ready? This is the intro, right? It's a cold text. Hi, Julie, are you ready for a social media assistant? We are running 30% off uh, campaign for our new service that produces daily content. Being seen on social media is crucial for your for your expansion. Only one age, uh, EXP agent, well, there you go. That's how I got yeah. the information. Yep. In Texas is eligible. I'm Scarcity. I'm not going to use this name. Well, whatever. And so here's my question back. Why is it crucial? Why exactly, I asked. Because even, the, and this is his response, even the least uh, tech-savvy folks are still going to Google a business to find out more information. And if your name is showing up in the search and you're not telling your story on social, that client is going to uh, go elsewhere. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level That's off fair. here before I get to back to my response. The probability of you guys or ever forming a website or having anything that is searchable for any keywords beyond maybe your name at this point in the game is absolute zero. So don't let anyone sell you into believing that you're ever going to be found on search. But tell them why. Because that that horse, that, that train has long left the station. So if you try to, you know, guys, long tail, short tail, all these different SEO terms you don't need to really worry about because all the aria i'm sorry all the nars and the zillows and the trillias and the dominant broker sites and everybody else has so dominated the the organic search results that the probability of ever being able to work your way through seo into normal search is about zero so the only way that you can really do it is by spending money so i want you to think about that concept of spending money just so you show up and pay-per-click to what end and so as I go through the rest of this, I just want you guys to realize that if someone's trying to sell you on the idea that social networking and any of the rest of this is going to get you in some dominant position with the keywords that matter to you, it's just not true. Now, it might, like I said, if someone did a search on your name, then yes, if you had a you know Facebook business page or whatever, that might show up someplace on the first page, assuming you have a somewhat unique name. But if you don't have a somewhat unique name, you might not even show up on the first page. And the reason, again, is because there's so many old links, like Julie and I's timandjulieharris.com. We bought that website, oh crap, I don't even know, 1990, right when they started selling URLs, 97, I think, actually, right when they started selling URLs, I think it was Mm -hmm. 97, they, uh, we heard about, you know, URLs, we didn't even understand what we were buying, but we knew Mm -hmm. we probably should buy our name, okay, so we bought our name, so we have an ancient URL, so when it comes to real estate coaching, one of the, you know, gambits of learning all this SEO stuff, which I had studied ages ago, but now I realize it's come what it's, it's basically become dubious because, again, it's very difficult to search, get placement for any good search terms because so many people have such old links and have built so much content around it. So you pop on the you know real estate radar and you say you want to try to create links around New Albany, Ohio homes for sale or whatever. You just you're never going to do it. It'll take you years and years and years to even have one uh, link show up on the first page of Google search. Uh, and Google's pretty much the king of all search. And so the only option that would leave you is basically paying for traffic, which again is a black hole, which I'm going to get to when I read you guys the rest of this text exchange. All right, so I'm going to take a step back. Tech savvy uh, folks are still uh, going to Google a new business to find out more information. And if your name isn't showing up on the search and you're not telling a story on social, uh, that client is going to go elsewhere. So he also actually played, showed me that he thought you were a new agent. So that's, hmm. he said, new business. So that must mean he was soliciting a agent, a list that he figured were new agents. All right. Hmm. Uh, so this is me responding. Can you provide me with something validating that sellers will search for an agent using social? In other words, everyone and their dog are on social. 
seems like the uh, seems like a big who cares at this point. That's for me, right? Mm-hmm. His response: Are you currently not using a Facebook business page? I said no. How many leads per year? This is my question to him. How many leads per year uh, does the average agent website or business page generate? I'm researching now. Any idea? And then he goes. His response: Leads from social media vary. And my response, I just read an article on Inman News, and you guys can find this too. The average agent website generates a total of, wait for it, wait for it, <laughs> zero leads per year. So the average agent website, which you guys are probably, you know, especially if you're new or even seasoned agent, you're believing that you should have, is going to generate you absolutely no business. And so this is his response. Content marketing is a slow process, but also the least expensive. So content marketing is blogging. Content marketing is creating videos. Content marketing is all the time-wasting garbage we tell you guys to avoid for the most part. And so he says, and again, this is the reason I think he was pretty much ethical. He said content marketing is a slow process, but it's also the least expensive. It is a slow process as in it will you'll never do it it's slow processing really measured measured in half lives okay and this is my response remember i'm supposed to be julie craze what's the point (laughs) and then he goes paid advertising can generate leads immediately and this is my response that's that's why i didn't understand content content marketing why bother cut his response content marketing allows you to tell your story you guys will like this next part. Tell your story so people can feel like they know you before they work with you. Lead generation through Facebook ads works much, much faster. We've generated 62 leads in seven days for a client before. My response, what value does a lead have? It's just a name and basic con- uh, basic contact. And who really cares about my story? I'm not that interesting. <laughs> when I had to find a dentist last month, no, I did make this story up. When I had to find a dentist last month that I could... Uh, I could care less about his story. It wasn't last month. It was like three months ago. Right. right. But that's very true. Yeah, I know. I didn't care. <laughs> right? Yeah. All I cared about was if he, and it was actually a she, if he could uh, solve my prob- uh, solve my issue, broken tooth. His response, the difference between, say, buying a list of expireds and running a Facebook ad is that the lead from the ad decided to give you their information. Then he responds, ouch, I'm glad you got that taken care of. Uh, my response, yes, but the expired has a house to sell. A lead a lead is just a lead. Agreed, but the lead gave you their information via your ad versus the public having uh, having the content info for the expired contact info info for the expired. My response. An expired is a real seller, not a lead. So the lead from social is all mine. Didn't share their info with anyone else, question mark. That can't be right. Uh, who knows, right? A, a lead is worthless by its by itself. Uh, to your point about expireds, that's clearly someone who has a house to sell. Why not just go after them? <laughs> His response: It depends on who else is running ads at the time. But you know, uh, but you know how. Let's see. This is where. But you would know what your in- listing has generated interest in that person. I, I guess what he's saying is basically he's going back to social ads. Mm-hmm. Here's my response: I don't have a listing again, and and who cares if it generates interest? I price the house correctly and stick it in the MLS and it sells. Are you saying social and uh, social, uh, this is me, my typo. Are you saying social and having my listing on many different sites increases the value to the seller, i.e. more exposure means higher price? And there, here's his response. And by the way, guys, I'll get, tell you the truth about that. There, having, your, having your listing on multiple websites in, uh, has absolutely no bearing whatsoever on any aspect 
of the sellability, the price achieved, or the days of the market on the house. So many, there's many, many, many studies on that. Yeah, of course it does. In different places. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's another big lie, basically, that people Absolutely. say to try to get agents to buy a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And, by, and, and Zillow really pushed that onto the public, trying to get them, yeah. uh, the sellers on Zillow, you know, to press, pressure their agents to have Zillow pages. But it was never true. Right. More exposure does not increase the nope. price of a product. It just doesn't. It just basically you're going and showing, if, especially if it doesn't sell, you're essentially telling more people on more different websites that you have an overpriced, overpriced. listing. That right. Exactly. All right. So here's here's. I haven't a, sold yet. Exactly. Here's <laughs> his response. More exposure would mean the homes get seen by more folks that would help you sell it faster. Then we would be able to uh, further market that experience to help you generate more listings. All right. So again. More exposure does not help a, a, a listing generate a sell faster. That's just not true. My, uh, my response, can you prove that more exposure, of course, I'm going to ask this, right? Can you prove that more exposure increases the price and shortens the days in the market? His response, again, this guy doesn't try to lie, again, to his yeah, credit. Uh, this home was on the market. He sent me a link to a house that he basically did some social networking marketing. I don't know witchcraft for and he said uh and he sent me a link at some point the realtor's responsibility to facilitate the sale not the marketers I'm not really sure. yeah okay. okay to my question please my response hit my response and the, his response we ran an ad for a client for a new listing and it was under contract within two days that blog post details the process then i said everything sells itself in this market Price it right and stick it in the MLS. And he says, sounds good. Sounds like he was getting frustrated with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, your ad had nothing to do with that house selling. And then he goes, I'll try to get back to you in a few months. And, and then I actually uh, pivoted the conversation because I was interested in talking to him about maybe working for Julie and I because <laughs> he was very that diligent. Was and he, yeah. given the opportunity, he did not actually try to lie to me, which I appreciate in a salesperson. But the reason I read that to you guys is because that is essentially the message that series of things that he was saying, and I'll and I further I'm not going to read you guys the rest of the exchange, but he doesn't have a real estate license. Um, he has this business that he was trying to generate, you know, essentially uh, clients for was his own business. And I like this guy, right? He's diligent, he's entrepreneurial, but he was selling snake oil, and he didn't really know it. How would he know it? I'm guessing from the nature yeah. of this exchange, he probably has only been paying attention to making a living for maybe the, you know since 2007 when all this paid marketing, social networking, buying leads, you know, malarkey basically has, has, mm-hmm. has come about. And so he doesn't know an alternative path to creating business. Um, you know, so that's the thing when I was reading that exchange, when I was going back and forth with him for a few days, it was fascinating to me that um, he was absolutely uh, praying at the altar of malarkey. Mm-hmm. That's and the perhaps truth. didn't know it. Yeah, and perhaps didn't know it. And But that goes back to the whole generation of people yeah. that don't know it. Yeah, I mean, how would you necessarily if you hadn't been through the historical, you know, actually seeing like like the whole thing you were talking about before, you know, paying somebody to try and get your website to come up anywhere even remotely close to the big guys, the right. ZilloTheRolder.com, et right. cetera. But, you know, you and I see that because, you know, you used to be able to be seen that way before all of that happened, you know, and then gradually they took over and took over. And now it's just a completely losing battle. But if you hadn't had that historical uh, foresight, then you it's it gets back to you don't know what you don't know. And it's through no fault of your own. And some of these guys are pretty good salespeople. Yeah, well, exactly. And so and a lot of you and the way their pitch is, is geared, if you notice the way he was saying it, and you guys get these emails all the time, too. 
is that they gear towards apathy. They're trying to gear their message towards you not having to do anything other than give them money and they're going to do the rest for you. And that's the great lie. But I can see why it's appealing because essentially is the idea that you can you know take a blue pill and lose 10 pounds. It's the same thing. It, but it is so far from the truth about what it truly takes to be successful in business and life in general. In business specifically, but in life in general. Anytime you look for the shortcut, you're always going to fall flat. You're always going to experience you know undue hardship and you know, unnecessary frustration because you haven't learned to basically master the real, you know, art and science of being successful long term in life. I mean, that sounds condescending when I apologize for it. But let's say in life as it pertains to making money um, and maybe other aspects of your life, you're as right as rain. But with regards to believing that social networking and whatnot is going to generate you real constant streams of, uh, you know, predictable business, it's just a lie. It well, just here's is. the other issue that I see with coaching clients on this because all this online stuff is significantly out of the average salesperson's wheelhouse, they don't know how to hold anybody like that accountable. accountable what right, question exactly. would you ever ask? And because well, I can tell you what their answer is always going to be. Well, he said give it. Give it some more time. That's what he said. Yeah. He said, give it enough time. Content media, basically, well, whatever, whatever. Yeah, they only need one objection handler. Give exactly. it more time. You because, because how would you know the difference? Yeah. Right? Oh, you can't stop doing the po- – well, back in our era, it's postcards, right? So you can't stop doing the postcards. Yes. You just stop too soon. What are you talking about? I've been doing it for five years. I've spent 50 <laughs> grand on this. Oh, no, I'm telling you. It's about to work. Another six months, it's going to break through. And then they tell you some story. I know someone named Bob in Peoria, Illinois. He got a listing after you know direct mailing postcards for 47 years. <laughs> yeah, they didn't mention that was his mom. Right. But so these guys are just marketers yeah. that are trying to sell you marketing. That's what it's marketers do. It's the same do. idea, different flavor. That's exactly right. And the social media and all this stuff is all this stuff is designed to shield you from the bit uh, the, the bitter, harsh truth that unfortunately, <laughs> life, long-term levels of any sort of meaningful success comes from long periods of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That's so right. that, that goes back to the question that I was starting to work on mm-hmm. is do uh, is there almost you know an eighty five percent failure rate in real estate after eight you know within eighteen months or less because of why because agents give up too soon I don't think that's the reason honestly I don't think that's the truth I think it's basically because and it's not necessarily all the other things you guys are being told too like you didn't come into the business with enough savings or you didn't come up the, no. in the business with enough money to buy leads and all this stuff you just weren't told the correct way to go about building a sustainable business that's it. You know, it's like it's kind of like these survivor uh, game shows or what are they called? Reality TV shows. And, you know, if you we drop you in the middle of a I'm looking out as I uh, am Mm -hmm. talking to you guys, I'm looking at a small which could only be described as a jungle. And I'm looking at this jungle and I'm thinking to myself, if I were to be plopped into a, you know, a, a patch of jungle that is, say, 10 times the size of this and I wasn't told how to get out. And I was go- given a machete and hopefully some bug spray. Oh, God, I hope they gave me bug spray, right? And, and then I had maybe 30 days to survive. That. Would I be able to th- survive? And and the answer is probably because I actually know what's edible, what's not edible. I know just different survival things. But that's not what happens with most people. I'm probably kidding myself. I probably would be eaten by an iguana on the first night. I mean, that's probably the reality of it. And that's exactly what happens with you guys in real estate. You get plopped into real estate. And maybe some of you are lucky enough that you land with a, you know, uh, you know, some basic information. But then beyond that, you have no shot of surviving. And all you got to do is look at the statistical fact that 85% of all agents fail within 18 months or less. And the other thing, the other statistics basically all lay into that same consistent uh, fact pattern with regards to, um, you know, even if you stay in the business after that, 
and you look at the failure rate, it's not until an agent's been in the business for like five years do they have a shot at making a career of it. And it's kind of shocking when you look mm -hmm. at the numbers. And so you have to ask yourself, well, what's the difference between the agent that, say, for example, you know, how did Julie and I sell? This is a real historical fact. You know, that sounds onerous, but it's true. We sold over 100 houses our first year in the business when we were in our early 20s. The only real previous sales experience we had were, well, nothing, really. We were just basically right out of college. And how did we do it? Exactly the way we tell our coaching clients to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, you know, the, that's without social media and a bunch of other stuff, but which they have to support their business. Right. Which we didn't even have back then. Right. You know, I think it's actually, if you cut through all of the malarkey, or as my dad would say, the hooey, okay, the hooey. cut through the hooey. It's always learning that one, by the way. Good. Um, so she can use it on Uncle Mark when she visits. But That's right. anyway, when you cut through all of that, you know, uh, it comes down to the same basic skills, but enhanced by a lot of great stuff. The confusion is that you guys think that the stuff online is the lead generation when it's not. It's in support of the hard work. She's talking about the social networking. And so that like we use social networking in our business, but not to generate leads into what Julie is saying. We use it to reinforce our podcast. We use it to reinforce our coaching clients. That's it. It's easy to be confused by that. Right. You know? Exactly. Especially if you came up in the past, what, 20 years or so, it'd be easy to be confused by that. And, and the other thing is, is once you learn how to do the real work of real estate, for example, like we teach in our coaching program, you probably will never choose to do the gimmicky social networking stuff. Yeah. We've got coaching clients that do not, that are top producers selling 100, 200, 300 homes per year. And you guys have heard them on this podcast before who do virtually no social networking because they know that's not where the business comes from. And yet, how many of you guys right now are sifting through your emails looking for some sort of latest gimmick that's going to somehow range mm -hmm. 63 leads on you within a day, right? I mean, you believe that. You, you actually are – why? Why do you do it? I know fundamentally we've talked about it because it's a hell of a lot easier to swallow the pill that goes down smoothly than the one that actually might require a little bit of effort. You know, might require an extra, you know, concentration, might require you to have a slightly upset stomach along the yeah. way. Because the truth is, is what we're going to ask you to do is the real work of real estate. But it's going to have a long-term sustainable effect on your, you know, your future in every meaningful way. Whereas these other things are just gimmicks. And they're, all, they're doing, all they're doing is they're appealing to your, frankly, your ignorance and your, uh, your wanting to avoid anything that remotely resembles uh, rejection. And they're also trying to appeal to your laziness in a lot of ways. Sure. And laziness being that if you guys know intuitively that those things are gimmicks and you still do them, and you know from listening to our podcast that there's other ways that you can go directly after the business. And Julie, let's talk about what today is and tomorrow and the following day. They're magical days, right? Mm -hmm. And, and we're, sure. so we're about to talk to you guys about something that all of you longtime listeners have, you know, you've heard us say every single month and how many of you do it. So we're going to do a slight pivot here. And so the guy who actually sent me that email, mm -hmm. uh, that text, by the way, uh, I don't, I'm not angry at him. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not in any way, uh, anything other than hopeful, because if you have people like that, that are ambitious like that, they're going to probably do great things in their lives when they essentially figure out what actually is selling snake oil versus selling uh, things that are actually be of service to other people. So yeah, you know, there it is. All right. So let's talk yeah. about it this day. Okay. Today, tomorrow, and the following day are expired Palooza, our favorite time of the year, which happens 12 times a year when the month changes, rolls over. Why? Because so many of you guys make your uh, listings expire at the beginning of the month or the end of the month. But that's great for those of you who will actually pursue expireds. And here's the thing that I, I want to dispel some of their objections, right? 
So first of all, if I can maybe direct about this. Me? If I may be direct. You're asking my permission? Okay, for them, for their sake. Is, you know, no, 5 billion realtors are not all calling expires. That is not true, okay? Just flat out, uh, don't ask me to prove it. That is not true. (gasps) You just inspired me. What? We need to write this down. The 10 Greatest Lies in Real Estate. All right, I'm writing it down. That's a great podcast topic. Okay. Next, stop complaining about how many phone numbers you can't get, okay? Because there is no do not knock list. And there's a great company, by the way, called Forewarn, F-O-R-E-W-A-R-N, which is super cheap. It's like 10 or 20 bucks a month. Not only do they get great phone numbers, but they also do background checks so you're not, you're, no, you're not calling crazy people. Well, it's, call crazy people too. Who cares? As long they, as they're motivated. They have right? a house to sell. What difference does it make? <laughs> so top 10, what am I writing down? Top 10. Top 10 greatest, greatest lies, lies told to agents. Well, these are some of them. Yes. Okay. Uh, told to agents. Okay, the next one is nothing expires in my market. Everything's hot. Everything's selling right away. Right. Not true. Why? Because some of you fall prey to aspirational pricing, whether that came from you or the seller, doesn't matter. You can still have overpriced even in a hot seller's market. If that weren't true, you'd never have appraisal problems. Go back a year. Here's a quick homework assignment for you. Go back a year and look to see how many listings have expired in your market in the past 12 months. And here's a little game that some of you guys are going to play. You're going to make your your market like a two-block radius around your house. No. I want you to do it for your entire MLS. But Tim, my MLS is huge. Good. We're just trying to make a point. Okay, don't overanalyze. So go and do a search for your entire MOS and find out how many expires there's been in the last 12 months. You could even do it last 18 months. And then if you know how to, but I'll tell you the result if you don't want to do the work. If you know how to, go and find out how many of those properties were relisted and then sold. So here's a statistic. Something like 90% get relisted and sold Mm -hmm. within six months. A vast majority of them get relisted within the first 30 days. Most listings expire because they're overpriced, uh, necessitating just one price adjustment. That's it. Yes. That statistically, everything I just said is true. So here's here's the fallacy in this whole, just, you know, do you have another, I didn't mean to talk about uh, your last point. Well, um, I think you you basically made it. Yes, they will relist. And those of our coaching clients who watch expireds, they always say the same thing. I can't believe the 12 that I was tracking, nine of them have already relisted. I if I had just called them. The hell right? are you tracking them for? I know, right? Just freaking call them for the love of God. Because okay? they're getting ready to get started. I know. Well, that those, those are my top ones. Um, you know, the, the complaining about phone numbers is big because you can get phone numbers. There's also no do not knock list. There's no do not send pre-listing package list. You know, and you can find phone numbers. It just takes a tiny bit more effort than you think. Well, and they complain, well, I bought phone numbers and half the phone numbers are wrong. Yeah, but you so still what? have the phone half numbers of them are right. right. Okay, I mean, so you... to that point, because this is on my list. Uh-huh. Let's say that you have terrible phone numbers and not that many expired. So you're kind of like half right about your complaints about expireds, right? Okay. If your average net commission to you is 7500 bucks, okay? And you only convert a lousy one per month, which, I mean, honest to God, who can't do that, right? Right. One per month. Let's say you call 10 and you're not that great at your scripts and you're only okay at lead follow-up, but you get one a month. 90 grand. It's 90 grand. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I tell the coaching class. That's amazing, actually, when you think about that. Freaking 90 grand. I know. And you know what? Just hover there, just for the second, because you just made an absolutely batshit crazy insane point. Thank you. We can stop now. <laughs> we can stop. The show just peaked. The show has peaked. Thank you for listening to us today. 
I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, all right. No, we have some fun stuff to talk about here in yeah. a second. But no, Julie, that's a really freaking valid point because we were just talking about all the insanity that all the realtors were wasting their time on, all this other crap. Yes. Whereas they could – and the average agent in the country makes, what, fifty grand a year or something right. like that. The average agent, as we've said um, too often on the Today's Show, is out of the business within 18 months or less. Uh, you know, 85%. And of the 15% that remain, most of them are eking out a, you know, an average income of 50 grand. Then you minus taxes and they're making, yes. you they make more money working at Home Depot. True. Right. Then why? Because they're doing all the dumb crap. They're not doing the real work not in real estate. Not only are they only making that, but they're spending a ton of it. All that on buying leads. And right. thinking they have to work on their logo. I know. And I mean, think about it this way, right? Tim, hold on, Julie. Yeah. They're not going to call us. <laughs> and, <laughs> they're not going to call us. Unless we've worked on our brand, and they can go online, and they can they they know what our story is. <laughs> but seriously, I know, I but, know, right? But, but isn't that it's crazy? It's, okay, it's crazy. One, one deal, one, one okay, expired. one, especially in today's market, because no it's probably going to sell. No buying leads. No buying leads. Nothing. Ninety Just, grand. Okay, so here's the thing. Think about it this way: one expired there are not per month. one, but two teachers toiling away teaching your children. For six to eight hours a freaking day online painfully for half that money, okay? There are people whose full-time jobs don't even pay them half of that. Right. And you guys won't get off your butts and find a phone number or two? Come on. Okay, so here's the thing. I tell the coaching clients, now that you have these facts, because these are all facts we're talking about. Well, they can get the phone numbers. They're services that sell the phone Absolutely. numbers. Absolutely. And Premier I just Co- told you one. Forewarn is a great one. Premier, we Co- a lot. Premier Coaching members, yeah. we actually uh, go through, there's like probably 10 of these companies. Yep. We're going through all of them now. We're trying to basically have closer business relationships with the ones that are the um, best. You know, the best. So anyway, Premier Coaching members, you can find that information on Harris Learning. Go ahead. Scripts, not a problem. You get yeah. that easily in Premier Coaching. But, but Julie, just the, okay. the point you just made really yeah. is crazy. So- why, is not, why aren't more people in our position, you know, coaches, trainers, influencers, wherever the hell our modern term is, why is it that more people aren't saying that? I'll tell you, there's only one reason, because they've never done it themselves. That's right. They're full it's of shit. It's hard to believe in something if you've never done it. But they are. They're full of shit. Absolutely. And it's easier to say, well, you got to try this and try that. Right. You know, and throw caution to the wind and then blame somebody other than yourself, you know, that company that sold you that crap. Right. Okay. Maybe you need to switch companies or whatever. Well, so here's bullet- the thing. Yeah. Knowing these facts and not doing anything about it, you're literally turning your back on a minimum of 90 grand a year. Right. And and then they, the That's money. That's irresponsible. And the money. So where is it? Like if they are successful at generating mostly buyer leads and those mostly buyer leads, basically, you guys know you're going down the wrong path when somebody is trying to sell you something based on the number of leads. Because I'm going to say this. And you guys got to get this really clear in your head. Otherwise, you're always going to be easily manipulated. Leads have no value. No. A lead is just, you guys, many of you don't know what a white pages is. <laughs> As I, I, know, I know. But there used to be in the olden <laughs> days, this book that you would have in your house that had a whole bunch of names, addresses, and phone numbers in it. An actual paper. Right. And now it's all online, you know, whitepages.com. But it used to be this massive book, right? And so hypothetically, those were all leads, weren't they? I you mean, got contact info. That's right. You have you addresses address. and you have phone numbers. That's right. You have names. Uh-huh. You know, why is that not, why is that type, that lead and that phone book is the same value as what you guys spend money on generating. Oh, no. Hold on, Tim. That's not fair. You're, they're filling out a form and they're identifying themselves mm-hmm. as a potential or a buyer or a seller. Well, guess what, guys? Here's a part of the great lie about all this. Everybody is a potential buyer or seller. It depends how the lead question was uh, framed, right? It's like all these polls for the president. People, you know, polling has proven to be an absolute black art at best. And, and people sort of take joy in lying to the 
pollsters, and then you don't really know how they're going to vote until they voted. Remember the last presidential election? Probably going to have something like that happen again. So online lead generation, guys, these are just statistical facts, is is the most uh, the least effective, most costly way to generate business, and most costly in forms of in the form of your time, and most costly in the form of uh, the cost it does for you to generate that lead. But you guys got to remember, you never, to Julie's point, actually take the time to understand what it is you're paying people to do for you. So you just succumb to whatever malarkey that they're selling you, and you keep on giving them your credit card number, hoping, and okay, guess what? There's five leads. Oh my gosh, it worked. I generated five leads. I spent 50 bucks. That's $10 a lead, or it's 62 cents a lead. It's or only 62 cents a lead. Right, wow, you're great. Oh my God, do you realize that most lead generation, co- who cares? It doesn't matter. It's even worse when they call them impressions. Yes, I know. I, I think that was like, for for me, that was like uh, very clear when it got to that point where they'd say, well, yeah, but we gave you 200 impressions. Right. What is that? I mean, you get impressions just looking at pictures on a Facebook ad. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Well, That's I'm, like the biggest BS. It is the biggest BS. All of it is. It's all it just a close. bunch of hooey. I, I mean, know. to your dad's point. But you know, <laughs> right. But, you know, it makes me sad that nobody really educates them the right questions to ask. And that it's so easy to fall into those traps. You and I are the only counterbalance. You might want to put that close to your mug. Yeah. You and I are the only counterbalance to that narrative that's going on right now about yeah. all of that. Right? You've done it. And we get a lot of criticism for it, too. Well, that's like, okay I was, with me. Well, most of it I ignore, truthfully. Yeah. But there were some people that were rather aggressive that were trying to defend their position. There was – I'll give you a real quick example on – so EXP Realty uses a private work group Facebook page, and there were some people that were obviously trolling for agents to basically, you know, buy the kind of crap that the, uh, you know, the guy was trying to sell me through SMS. And I had a very similar conversation with a couple of these guys where I was just asking him really basic questions. If the goal is to generate a really, you know, very qualified lead, someone who actually has a real estate transaction that they must complete and, you know, all the contact information is available, and you know, they have to sell, you know, they're willing to pay commission, you know, all these things. Why would I bother doing all this other crap? And they couldn't come up with an answer. And the reason that they couldn't is because they've never actually learned how to do it. That's exactly right. what Julie said. So the reason that all these people are gravitating towards the social networking stuff is because they've only been in business, you know, maybe it's a real estate license, mostly it's selling stuff to real estate agents, since 2007 or realistically within the last maybe 24 or 36 months. There is a whole gambit of internet marketers who are in the business of teaching people how to be internet marketers. (laughs) You know, that's like the big... That's a, a big theme in internet marketing is telling people how to basically be an internet marketer. And then the agents, you know, basically fall into that because agents are opportunity seekers. And now they're trying to sell that same information now to agents. You see, it's just the perpetuation of really bad or essentially half-baked information that goes on forever. Mm-hmm. That results in, guess what, 85% of all realtors failing within 18 months or less. Right? Yes, you guys sure. get it? We can't. You can't argue with numbers and facts and statistics. So expired palooza. For the love of God, people. <laughs> Seriously. A way to beg them to make an income call. I mean, on. please. I yes. Mean, even to those of you who are already, let's say that you're already trucking along at a really nice average commission. This is your best year ever. A lot of people are having and that. And they are. Yeah. And that's fantastic. That's even more reason to call. Right. You know, some of our most experienced agents, so awesome when they call. I always tell them, you know, if you're going to cherry pick, call in the neighborhoods that you've just had a sold sign. This just makes sense. And you know, when we used to do this, they'd be like, is it really you calling? I yeah. see your sign all the time. 
it's so much easier for the the ones that are experienced who also are the ones who are a little bit more resistive. And so expired Are you Kalooza, talking about expired or first be, for sale by I'm, owners or just what do you Either one when, I, when you hunt them down in neighborhoods that you've already let's right. say that you've got, you know, a, a, somebody like Colette McDonald in Brookhaven, right? Everybody who lives in Brookhaven have seen, has seen a Colette McDonald and She calls sign. on expired. It's like a celebrity exactly. call. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And these are the same agents that will fight you more on it, especially because they don't, quote, need the money. But Fine. In, in all reality, when you use our scripts and you follow our system, you could be it's a brand new easy. agent. If, I have to say those are the oh, ones. Well, I hear that, it all the time in Premiere. I know. Those, you know. Those are the best ones, right? I, I love how they set the bar for stuff like this. Well, we're attracting a lot yeah. of millennials. I've Absolutely. seen a lot of it's young awesome. people that are joining. Yes. Um, you know, they're joining Premier Coaching. Mm-hmm. And i that's the group. I, I have to say, i that trend really picked up for us in the, like the past yeah. 12 months. People in their 20s and 30s joining our coaching program. Yeah. And I think that's exciting as hell. That's awesome. Mostly for them. Yeah, you know, really? I know. Because they know better. They, they're coming uh, to us having grown up in the social media world and are not are the, the, the most wise to what it really is and what it isn't. And mm-hmm. so they're saying they're smart enough uh, to say I want to know how to actually make money in real estate because I realize because all this they've stu- already been through the woods on the other well they, they know it's a gimmick and they grew up yeah. with it for the rest of you guys who are older it's novel it's still interesting yeah. and so for these kids they're all social media experts because that's how they grow up mm-hmm. and they know it's a farce as far as basically like and for an actual creation of a business and that's, that's right. what I, I'm very encouraged by the number yeah, of you know absolutely. younger people that are you know gravitating yeah. towards us because those are guys are going to be the dominant force in real estate in the yeah, future absolutely setting setting the bar really high like uh you know people like jen Gennaro in louisiana yeah. okay she has got the whole listing agent thing figured out she is a listing agent she's got that and no it's not all coming from social media guys so and she's a great leader she's in her uh, early mid-30s you know and she's going to have such a killer career in front of her because she's got this figured out now back to expired palooza for a second we touched on this on the Friday normal podcast because we knew we were coming into expired Palooza weekend, which is even better. Right. You know, um, here's the thing. The pricing of the property is so much easier, number one. Number two, the agent who you otherwise would have competed with, who might be from their center of influence, has already failed. Okay. Right. So you don't have that in your way. And anymore. they probably don't have a plan B with another agent in mind. By That's the right. way, your biggest competitor when you're calling expired is going to be the previous listing agent. Mm-hmm. And the only reason, Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact that you're considering listing with your old agent. But let me ask you a real quick question. And guys, you don't have to use this question, but I always liked using it. Mm-hmm. What exactly is your old agent going to do differently this time that they hadn't already tried the first six months to get your property sold? And then say nothing. And then say nothing, right? Mm. And then that because they've already had that thought, and all you're doing basically is putting another thought in their head that maybe at the, you know they need to at least look at their alternatives. Well, you're so giving them permission to break up with the agent, right? That disappointed them for being honest, right? They did. The other agent essentially they do feel even if it was their best friend, they do feel disappointed. And that other agent probably was not. They got it from social net, or I'm sorry, for, because their center of influence and past client because they're their friend. Not because they actually were the most qualified to get the listing. They're just the most convenient to get the listing. And also probably not the most qualified to price it correctly to be competitive, you know, or to advise them on things like negative feedback. Maybe, you know, I see this a lot when they're buddies, buddy listings. You don't tell them the house smells like cat pee. You don't you don't want to talk about that with your friend. Right. right? You know, you, but somebody else can come in that's a interested third party. So you've got a better CMA situation on your pricing. You've got less competition, not more, as you guys claim. Uh, Number three is they're way more coachable. They'll do things for you when it expires that they never would have done out of the gates. So 
some of the seller's ego issues um, are lessened because nobody ever thinks their house isn't going to sell. And now now they're kind of over it and they're like, all right, tell me what I need to do. I'm right. going to do it. They're humble. They're, they're basically, humble. They're, the market's kind of shown them the Which way. Which is good. You know that uh, convenient versus qualified, you got to write that down. We yes. can build off that thought. That's right. Convenient versus qualified. Because we really, I mean, it's we're going from a who you know to a what you know mar- yeah. uh, business, but we're also going from a convenient versus qualified mm-hmm. uh, type of market too. So you guys have to obviously you know, be qualified because then even if you're convenient but you're not qualified, you won't get the listing. Being qualified, you'll get the listing. That's It's a skills-based approach yep. really. Well, so expires, guys. It's happening right now. Do something with it. And to Julie's point, you only need to list one you know, in this market, it'll sell, right? You only need to list one per month with the average commission. If your average sale price was two fifty, you're going to make, you know, obviously not taking consideration broker expenses, but you're going to be making seventy five hundred bucks per transaction. That's ninety thousand dollars per year. Well, and some of these guys have like a, an average net of like twelve or thirteen I know. grand. And some of them I, have I did it very conservatively when right. I figured that out. So why don't you guys think in terms of well, what do I have to do to learn how to basically be the agent that can earn the business of those expired listings? What would you have to stop doing to put your to frame out your brain? like that you'd have to stop doing all the silly ass time wasting garbage that you probably been doing thinking that someday somehow magically it's going to make you money mm-hmm. guys i'm going to say it i know it's annoying but it's still true 85 percent of all agents fail within 18 months or less it's because they don't do the right things in their business they don't actually take the time to learn the skills necessary to earn the right to be a seller uh to be a listing agent that's that simple guys why don't you just cut out all the malarkey and just focus like a laser beam right in on how to become a, liaise, a listing agent? That's what we teach you in our coaching program. Yeah, and we, it, you know, even though primarily. I, gave, I gave a kind of a low bar example right. of if you only converted one and your average commission was only this, that's not what we coach. We coach them to be rock stars. We coach them to first figure that out and then figure out how to scale that up, how to really do that exponentially if that's what you want. Maybe the one deal that gives you the 90 grand is enough. And that's fine, and that's where you want to level out. That's fantastic. But what if you did two or three a month? Well, you can only think like that, that when you're a listing agent. Well, that's exactly and it. We've had. I remember there was this great coaching client. I don't. I I, I know he's. Uh, his name is Howard Cozine. I think Cozine. I can imagine. And th- this, yeah. this was from this was from maybe 15 years ago. It was like I remember thousand his name. years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you remember him because I was always jealous of his lifestyle. <laughs> yes, I know. That's what exactly. All right, so this I this guy lived in Hawaii, and he <laughs> got he actually got into real estate in I think it was. I don't remember. It was either a crash in eighties or the nineties when all the, uh, when the current, uh, you know, basically it was entering into this marketplace where there's real dominant listing agents who were centers of influence and past client, you know, connected and the market shift prices dropped. And those agents says, we've been warning you. We're always the first ones to get wiped out the fastest. The centers of influence and past client agents don't survive the shift to a buyer's market. They just don't. And for all the normal reasons you'd expect, mostly skills based. So, he then realized that he then stepped into this uh, gap that was in the marketplace as he saw these lots of these expired listings starting to happen. He started to you know do the old school of what we teach, of you know picking up the phone, calling, earning the right to be the listing agent, and he then became out over not a very long period of time most dominant listing agent in this particular market. He then did enhance his marketing in addition to making phone calls with postcards. I think he only mailed one postcard per month. But here's the interesting thing that he figured out for himself, and I really like this actually, is that he told he would hire me like every year this time of year. Actually, no, every year he would hire me like in January, December. And his whole goal was to take a certain number of listings by usually April or May, right? So his goal may be to have 12 active listings or 15 active listings. Sure, some would sell them along the way, but that's fine. His average commission was high enough. It was something like 
fifteen or eighteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and he'd figured out that if he just works his butt off for three or four months of the year, he's going to earn enough money to basically pay for his lifestyle through the rest of the year, and he's right as rain. <laughs> I it. totally remember that because I had in my head, I always thought of him as Howard in Hawaii. That's the yeah. same guy. And, you know, only skilled listing agents can do that right. because you can't do that with the, the, you know, roulette wheel of buyers. And you can't do that. You know, I think it's great when you get center of influence deals. I do because they're easier and they trust you, but they're not predictable. You can't nope. tell me who in your database is going to list with you tomorrow. It's and you can't si- tell me what price that house is going to be. And you can't tell me if it's going to be sellable. Now, take that same thought and apply it to social networking leads and all and that other stuff. More. Then it just even gets more insane, you know? Right. But when you have, when you not only are willing to, but have worked on the skill of things like expireds for sale by owner, probate, new construction, things that take an effort. You actually can create that lifestyle yep. if you wanted to. In multiple markets too. Absolutely. They're, and it, it's not, you don't have to do the three months on, nine months off or whatever, no. but you can say, you know what, I'm going to get to my magic number of listings. And then all I have to worry about is replacing, if one sells today, I've got to sell one, I've got to replace one, not I've got to go find 10 to get to my magic number. That's what agents, I think, don't realize. To your point at the top of the call, why do they? Why do 85% of them fail? Because they don't understand how to get to the predictable spot, right? right? How to get to listing inventory. Nobody tells them that. You know, it's Sunday. We forgot to do a CTA. How oh. funny is that? Which, by the way, Julie just touched on something. She said, it's how casual we are on Sunday. Uh, she said, real estate magic number. That's part of the real estate treasure map we give you guys for free. If you want to learn more about our coaching program and get the real estate treasure map and all that, we have seven free books, actually. All you've got to do is text the word uh, survival to 31996. Just text the word survival to 31996. In doing so, you're also going to get membership, free membership to the free coaching program um, that we started back in March as a reaction to the pandemic. Uh, so that coaching program has had thousands of agents join from all over the country and different parts of the world too, which I'm really thrilled to see. We're now podcasting in 49 different countries, which is incredible. This continues to be the number one listened to daily podcast in the nation. And man, wouldn't it be cool to make this the number one listened to daily real estate coaching podcast in the world? That That's sounds like a goal. lofty I like goal. It. I like it. Yeah. Well, but anyway, so yeah, guys, the, the real freedom in real estate does not come from doing all the things that most of you guys are doing. It comes from the power of being a listing agent because you ultimately create leverage. And I, I'm going to tell one more little quick story. Mm-hmm. So I had this coaching client and this guy was a millennial. Mm-hmm. He worked at Douglas Elliman, great company in New York. Okay. And he was burned out on selling. He had done a bunch of leases. He'd, you know, I, I taught him how to start prospecting. He was generating, proactively generating his own listing leads. But he was, you know, being, I think he was like looking down the barrel at turning 30 or something, right? Right. And he had, and he'd worked his butt off. He'd been very diligent, you know, mm-hmm. not just a really good guy. And then he said, Tim, I'm getting burned out on real estate. It's not that I don't love it. It's just that I feel like the clock is ticking and I haven't done the other things I wanted to do in my life. And I haven't done them by the age in which I wanted to do them by. And I thought, well, okay, that's cool. But we can't let him lose the momentum that he's built towards you know, building a sustainable real estate career. But at least this guy had been smart enough to focus on becoming a powerful listing agent. So I made a deal with him. Same deal with Howard, right? He has to take a certain number of listings by a certain time frame. And remember, this guy, this guy was ambitious, but his, he lost his mojo. So I don't remember what the time constraints were. I think it was something like 180 days to accomplish certain financial goals. And after that, he could check out for the rest of the year. And he did it in like freaking three months. <laughs> he just <laughs> ripped awesome. it up and he left early. Yeah. And then he well, sent me but pictures. But why is that? 
Well, it's because A, he knew he could because okay. he knew he had he, he had worked on the skill. He was incredibly motivated to basically okay. travel the world, which is what he wanted to mm-hmm. do, which he did. Right. Um, and ended up sending us pictures from all over the world. It's awesome. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he mastered the skill. He didn't wait to get around to get started. He stopped procrastinating. He but put, I think it's also because you defined it for him. Yeah. If you do this, then you can have that. Right. Instead of, well, you know, maybe I'll get a new deal this week. Maybe right. I'll try this and maybe I'll try that. You defined, here's how you win. Well, you just did that with the whole simplistic. It's almost so goofy what you said because it's so obvious. But take one stinking expired listing. Yeah. You guys are full-time in real estate, many of you, or even if you're part-time. Calculate all the time that you claim that you're working. I know. And like, how long would it really take for you to master the art of being a powerful just expired listing agent? How long would that take you? you most of you guys could become absolutely lethal at it in less than a month if, Easily, if you focused if on you it just yep. make it something that you're great at and you followed our system right yeah. we tell you who to call how to call when to call what to say the scripts what to say it. the objection handlers how to pre-qualify we give you a done pre-listing pack all you've got to do is copy it for yourself we give you a listing presentation you Julie, don't even a mosquito have to... on your finger you don't even have to be perfect at it okay so that's the other objection i should have mentioned earlier right you don't have to drill a role play partner for, you know, 17 million calls. You just have to pick up the phone and earn while you learn. And I'll tell you a nice byproduct to being really good at this expired thing. We talked about expired today because it's expired Palooza. That's right. A nice byproduct to becoming great at that is that when you do that, you can, you also, thank you for the bug spray. You're welcome. You, we came prepared this time. Yeah. You also... Did. Become really great at for sale by owners because the scripts are so it's, similar. Fizzbos are eat well. Ex- I personally, if given a choice, I always liked expired. Be and the, for the number one reason being is, uh, you, you know, they're going to be willing to pay a commission. Yeah. But the biggest, biggest of the big reasons is because you know what the price isn't. Right. I agree. And then the market has essentially market um, humbled that seller to the extent that they're going to be a lot more. Um, uh, discerning who they're going to hire to be their listing agent, mm-hmm. and guys, even as a even as a brand new agent, and Julie and I touched on this, if you follow our system and you use the pre-listing pack and all the rest of it, you're going to have, I can't guarantee you any levels of success. I have no idea, you know, who knows, but you're going to increase the likelihood of you getting that listing. It has to be by a thousand percent more. And those of you guys who've been in the business and this, frankly, this is the group that, um, that I think I feel, frankly, the most attached to, mm. not the new agents. New agents like these millennials that are finding us, they're actually easy because they do what they're told. They're following yeah. a system, and we don't have to deprogram them. But those of you who have been in the business, especially those who have only been in the business the last 10 years, you guys have got a lot of crap to sift and sort in your minds before you start seeing the truth about what a blessing this industry is if you're willing to do the real work of real estate. Now, Julie, I want to talk about something else that just popped into my mind. What's that? Um, so I've been getting a lot of calls uh, and frankly, a lot of conversations. I, I bet you last week, let me expand it. I bet you in the last two weeks, I've had 20 conversations, maybe even more, with teams and brokers mm-hmm. who all basically are, they're contacting me because they're worried about, you know, their business in essence. Right. They, don't all, they don't always present like that, but it doesn't take me long to basically root sort through it. Sort it out. Yeah. Most of them, like, well, they'll call me up and they'll have these conversations. You've had conversations like sure. this. They want to rattle on about all their awards and how successful they are. Mm-hmm. And, and anytime they, they always start out by saying how many units they sold or how big their team is, right? right? And so they'll talk about their teams and their organization. And it's not for not, right? I mean, that takes, there is a yeah. level of accomplishment with that. 
But then I sort of like let them talk and let them talk. And then they'll come around and say why they're actually wanting to talk with me. Now, remember, most of them are finding me from the podcast. So they kind of know what I'm going to tell them, right? It's not like I'm just a cold call. <laughs> so they know they're sort of walking into the lion's den. And, I, and so I know what they're getting to is the fact that their business isn't profitable, right? But they don't want – they want me to see them as being people that are achievers and they tried. But they want me to tell them – and this is what I'm telling all of you – you guys, if your business isn't profitable, especially your brokerage or your team, if you're fearful of losing money, if your entire business is predicated on buying leads um, and you st- are starting to internalize the idea that maybe you're not, you don't have what it takes to be successful because of the fact that you haven't been able to decode this Rubik's Cube, this 47-sided Rubik's Cube, and my God, you, you should have been able to figure out how to do it by now and why your team members keep quitting and why do you have profitable and unprofitable? Why is it all this? And, and yet everyone seems to relish in your success because you sell a bunch of units and you have this big team, and yet in your heart of hearts, you're knowing that you're not moving your personal financial needle at all. You guys, you are great at what you could be doing. You're just not doing the right thing. There's a difference between quitting, and you guys got to write this down. And this is this is something I, Julie and I learned a long time ago. We don't say it very often because it's uh, it has to be received in, as intended. Otherwise, you guys get confused. So here it is. There's a difference between quitting and quitting while you're ahead. And I think who said that? I'm pretty sure Baron von Rothschild said that right. back in like the 1700s. A lot of people quoted it, so it's probably right. it's attributed to whoever. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so don't give Julie and I credit for that because we didn't think that up. When we do think things up, we will ask for credit. Absolutely. <laughs> we deserve it. That's right. <laughs> we don't come up with very many brilliant ideas, Mike, Julie. Yep. So so the, the moral of the story is there's a difference between quitting and quitting while you're ahead. So what does that mean? If you essentially have been doing something for a long period of time and it's not getting you the results and you've convinced yourself you have to keep doing it, uh, you know what? You're making a mistake. You just need to quit because what's happening is that – idea or that thing is taking up mental and usually financial energy that would be going to something else. And if something else isn't buying leads or doing something else for the sake of your business, it could just be going to taking your family to Disney World. Mm-hmm. So some of you guys get caught in these these ego traps where everyone's doing it, so you think you're supposed to be doing it too. Even though you know it's not working, you're still going to do it because everyone's doing it. I'll give you a personal example. Julie and I did that when we were selling real estate uh, in the 90s with Homes Magazines. Yep. We'd, we saw all the most successful agents in our marketplace. You guys might not remember this, but there used to be homes magazines. These big – and in, in the day, these things were like – you know, in There still are in some markets. They're huge though. You can find them at grocery store checkouts and right. stuff. So agents would market their listings in these home magazines. And even though the agents all knew that the mm. shiny pictures and the flowery description was doing absolutely nothing to sell the house, guys, marketing does not sell real estate. That is a lie. You price it right, you put it in the MLS, assuming the house has good price, condition, location, it will sell, right? That's the beauty of the MLS and the system that we all walk into. Even when there's more inventory, it'll sell. Yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. Which they all live in fear of, you know. When it's a huge buyer's market and there's, you know, five houses for every one buyer, marketing is not going to get houses sold any more than marketing gets sold now. And I know some of you guys believe marketing sells real estate. Marketing does not sell real estate. Pricing it right, assuming it has good condition and location, it will sell itself out of the MLS and it's your job basically to facilitate the sale. That is the bottom line. Um, so you have essentially where? How did I get on that little tangent? Marketing. To, oh, the homes magazines. All right. So we had homes magazines. Yeah, Thank because you for I paying remember I, it was painful, and we did make that mistake. We did. Yeah. And so we would go on listing appointments, and we have become you know some of the top listing agents in our with Remax certainly in our MLS. 
Um, and then we had uh, this, you know, we need to start doing what the, the top, top agents are doing. Because, you know, obviously if, you know, these big, you know, big name agents are doing these big ads then on these big home brochures and their magazines, they're taking up four and five and six page. Well, it must be for the sake of generating business. It must be because, you know, it's something that's going to, okay, and we did it and it didn't generate any business. And we kept doing it, didn't generate any business. And we, so we were smart enough to keep track of where our, our actual business came from. We did it on a dry erase board. <laughs> that shouldn't surprise any of you guys. And we were, you know, tracking this. And we probably took out those dumb homes and land ads for probably four or five years mm -hmm. without having any real discernible business from it. Yeah. Just because, frankly, we were too naive to know that we needed to know the difference between quitting and quitting while we were ahead. And we would mar we would track where all of our especially listing side business came from. And it always, uh, most of it always came from the exact core things that we teach you in our coaching program. It never came from the flowery extra crap. And then we actually had, we started doing some direct mail. Same thing. The business, a vast majority, like we would get the occasional person that said, I just got your postcard. Um, I, you know, your soul card, and that's the reason I'm calling you. And then I bet we mailed out millions of those things when I'm we were sure. believing marketing worked, yep. right? Uh -huh. And and when the messaging was great, everything about them was professionally designed, the whole thing. And then, you know, you occasionally you'd have a seller, well, you know, why are you calling Tim and Julie Harris for the interviewing for the job of selling your house? Was, you know, the prequel script. And they would say, well, I just got their postcard. But that was never the real reason. And the real reason was is because they just sold my neighbor's house because someone referred them uh, to us and the whole thing. But the seller, what maybe just received the postcard, was going to call us anyway and just said postcard. We didn't realize that um, the real reason those people were calling us was almost always from the real core, real work of real estate we were doing until we were listening to Kelly uh, Whitfield was her name, who was actually doing a prequel from a seller that called us, um, you know, and she was filling out the form and she got to the that question I just read to you guys and there was boxes to check and then uh, she checked a uh, postcard and then she accidentally asked the question again and then they started explaining how this other person referred them and the Julian I thought, well, how many times have we had Kelly ask that question? Or we've used it ourselves in pre-qualifying sellers. Mm -hmm. And we didn't ask the same question twice and believing their first answer was the real reason why they called us. And then when we started doing that, then we quickly realized how foolish we had been in believing all the marketing stuff, the same stuff you guys are falling prey to now. That's right. So moral of the story is your best marketing is the sold sign that you put in that neighborhood. That's and it. Even if you have no marketing budget and no experience, you all can do that over your on your first or your next expired or for sale by owner listing. You all can do that because that will lead to the next thing. You guys want buyer leads? Be a listing agent. Get one listing or for some of you, one more listing maybe this month or for some of you this week. Many of our elite coaching clients have homework of a listing a day that they go on and a listing appointment a day that they set. So they have to set one and go on one daily. And we have it's absolutely possible to do that if that's what you need to do. So um, back to my story talking to all these brokers and these yeah. teams. So one of the things I have them do because uh, when they're always always talking to me about profitability and they're talking uh, – a lot of them are coming to us because they want to join our EXP team at uh, EXP. Mm -hmm. They want to have Julie and I sponsor them. They want to actually work directly with us in their real estate business as they uh, work on expanding their revenue share at EXP. So they text me directly and you guys can do the same at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. So one of the things um, that EXP has many different ways that um, – teams can join eXp, one of which is called the Mega Icon Team. 
And to be a mega icon team, you have to accomplish all three of these things. You have to have a team of 10 people, sell 175 units a year, and have the total volume be $40 million. And, you know, because of COVID, it's maybe not the last 12 months. It might be the last 18 months just because, you know, three months are to be forgotten this year, right? So they're flexible somewhat, but there's the basic standards. So all these brokers and teams, they're coming to me. And the first conversation I have with them is trying to see if they'll qualify to be a mega icon team. Because if they are, then the total amount that they're going to pay EXP, complete amount they're going to pay in commission splits per year is about $56,000. And then after the uh, main team leader or the former broker who's now you know basically a mega icon team, they're getting a, a essentially what amounts to their, their cap back in the form of EXPI stock. I'm oversimplifying it, but that's the gist of it. So then the whole mega icon team only ends up paying, in essence, $4,000 per year per agent. So the agents on the team or who may have been part of that brokerage, their cap is four grand. I know I just gave you guys a bunch of information. If you want more information, just text me directly, 512-758-0206. But one of the things I discover when I'm talking with all these teams and these brokerages and I'm looking at their profit and loss statements because I have to help them put it together so then I can send it in TXP so they can get approved to be a mega icon team is I always go through their numbers and I am always shocked, not shocked, but I'm always, Oh, I don't know what the word would be after doing this work for so long. I don't know what the emotional response is, but, um, I don't know. I, it's weird. I feel sorry for them. I guess that's the core of it. But I look at their businesses and I see a lot of these guys and gals and these, especially these brokerages and these big teams. They've been at it for so long and I'm able to see what the profit is they're making from the business. I am able to see, I can tell everything just by looking at their numbers. Like some of them have you know, one or two agents that they call listing specialists or they'll call buyer, they have buyer specialists. And then you go over and you can see that, you know, maybe this listing specialist, maybe their listing specialist team, you know, they're, they're listing, they're doing on paper, which looks like really great listing business. And then the buyer, you look at the, all the top line numbers and they all look impressive, 200 transactions, 300 transactions. And they qualify for Mega Icon. You know, they can move to EXP and most of them are going to make way more money than they ever did. That's the reason a lot of them are motivated to come our direction now and be part of our EXP group because they're going to make so much more money in so many different ways. But just for the sake of what I'm trying to explain, then I look at their marketing budget. I look to see how much they're paying for each of the closings that they're experiencing. And that's one of the things that I help people to do in our coaching programs. I want you to look at your business from, it's a two-sided coin, right? You have the cost of listing lead acquisition, you have the cost of buyer lead acquisition. And if you don't basically separate those things out, then what's gonna happen is the more profitable side of your business, which is generally your listing side of the business, it's gonna end up basically covering the negative cash flow from the buyer side of your business, and you're just not even gonna realize it. And one of the, I've seen this with every single brokerage and team I've I've spoken with. Most of them are making barely double digit uh, net profits. And if the market were to turn against them for just 30 or 60 days, they're gonna be out of business because they don't have the savings to support the cash flow that's necessary to continue to to buy the leads. I've had people that are spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per month buying leads, and yet they don't track it. And the consistent element amongst all of them is none of those team leaders have been in the business for more than, you know, 10 or 12 years. And so they've only known to buy leads, and they've only known to train their teams to buy leads. They've only known to be beholden to buying leads. They've never learned how to generate the business themselves. And so the natural conversation I ask them after they've, I've shown them the fallacy of their business model, and I don't do it in such a way to make them feel bad, because I realize that most of them have already, they, they know that the business model that they're following isn't profitable because they're not building any real wealth, but they're caught in an echo chamber. Everyone's doing the same thing. 
saying the same thing. And it's not until they come across, frankly, Julie and I, that they realize, what well, you know what? I've always known that that was an asinine business model, but I've not known any different than to do it. And so Julie and I show them how to make a couple tweaks and how to point out some obvious little fallacies in their business. But let's just go back to the point that Mrs. Harris made not so long ago. If you and I got I, these are actual numbers. I want you guys to think about this. Let's say that your goal in your real estate business was to make um, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Let's okay. I can even make it. I, I'll even make it more realistic. Okay, because most the average agent only earns fifty grand. So I'm going to say let's say your goal is to earn um, uh, say one hundred and twenty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Okay. That's a good goal. Most people have a very nice life off 10000 or so dollars per month. Okay, so we're going to focus on that for a second. Did you guys know that the average broker who has a total GCI of, uh, say, a million dollars is only going to earn about $50,000 net before tax profit on that million dollars, on essentially the million dollars in, in, uh, in commissions? And the average team, and this is a well-run team, is only going to earn. So you have a team. You have a team leader. The team leader, you know, they had a really you know, good year. They made a million dollars. They have all these buyer agents. They have listing specialists. They have ads. They have every, you know, marketing, branding. Everyone thinks they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, especially themselves. Joke, joke. Mm-hmm. And, and then they have, you know, a million dollars in commission. And uh, all the while, their actual net profit after all of that expense from running that business and buying those leads because none of the agents on their team and they aren't proactively lead generating, so having having to buy everything is maybe a hundred to a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, maybe a hundred and fifty, right? If they're charging processing fees or something like that, this is what I see consistently. So let's think about that. So you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, I form a team, I take the risk, and I go through the hassle of running the adult daycare, I do the whole thing, and I'm making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Um, you know, you know, maybe that's okay. You convince yourself, well, you know, that's a nice goal to have. But here, why would you bother doing the other thing and spending all the money and having all the liability? Why would you go and so you're trading your time that was working with buyers and sellers, and you're training that from working with to working with building your team member and worrying about making sure the bills are paid. You're you're not working less. You're just doing different things. You've delegated certain things, but you've assumed a lot of other responsibilities. Again, that's the fallacy of the team model. That's the fallacy of a brokerage, by the way, but more so the team model. So if you wanted to earn, here's the punchline: if you wanted to earn, say, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. And you are willing to do it by being a listing agent. You guys can do the math on that. Using Julie's math of $7,500 a transaction, if you just listed two houses a month, right, two expireds per month, you would earn, using Julie's math of $7,500 a transaction, you'd earn $180,000 a year. So if all you did was list two expireds per month, you'd earn $180,000 a year, which means that you would earn more money selling basically, you know, a house and a half basically per month than net profit than the agent who's walking around like a peacock, who everyone thinks is the greatest thing since sliced bread with that big team. You actually would have more net profit or the same net profit because you had no expenses against that income that you were making. Isn't that interesting? I would argue that they'd have more. Can I tell you how? Tell me. I think it would be virtually impossible if you were taking two mix and match expired FISBOs, all expired, whatever, two listings per month, 
because the buyer leads it would throw off. Yeah. And because the people buying your listing would have something to sell. That's true. You'd have to work hard to sell less than two per month. Yeah, you would. You'd have to be a blockhead about your lead follow-up. Right. And you and you and if you guys, like, for example, we've had people that have joined our coaching program that did not want to work with buyers, did not want to give up their nights and weekends. So and refer it. You're still going to make more. Exactly. Refer <laughs> it. How many agents in your own office will basically pay you 35% referral fee, which is insane for a buyer lead? So you then pre-qualify your buyer leads. You pull out the buyer leads that have houses to sell. You obviously go after the listings, to Julie's point, and then all the other buyer leads you refer off and you make 35%. If you had a team with buyer agents, you will not make 35% net profit on those buyer side transactions those buyer agents do. You'll make way less than that, if not lose money off every buyer side. Do you guys get the point of all this? (laughs) Are you guys following me on all this? We're telling you the truth. But if you've only been in the business for 10 years or less, you're caught in the echo chamber of buying leads and having teams. Well, and they focus on the wrong things, right? They, they focus on, they think they've got to do those things or they're not going to have that net. When in fact, doing those things will make sure you don't have that net. Right. It's very counterintuitive. And I, I you know, I do feel bad that you know, it's not entirely their fault. They don't know where to look for those answers. And the people that are around the office don't have the same outlook. They, they, nobody says that. And yet it's such an, a, an obvious truth. If you it's could, because nobody does the math with them. That's no. basically well, it. we just did. Yeah, yeah. So look, I actually call it Fisbo math, expired math in the Harris Rules book. Right. And I do these equations with them and say, look, if that's all you did, this is where you'd be. What could you do with that ninety grand? What could you do with that hundred and eighty grand? How would your life change? How would your career change? Right. How would your daily schedule change? Because it doesn't take eight hours a day to do that. Right. There's nobody that says earning one hundred and eighty grand a year, or even. 120 grand a year in real estate has to take you 40 hours a week. No, nope. you guys are just grinding away. And oh my God, I didn't get home until midnight because you're doing the wrong things. You are. You're believing the lies. You are. You're wasting the time on the doing the things that will never generate your business. And Where- you end up working with clients that are not that easy to work with because you're trying to force people who aren't that motivated or qualified into deals that they probably shouldn't be in. And you don't even realize it. And some, unfortunately, some of these guys listening think that that's how real estate is. Because they haven't learned to proactively lead, generate, and well, capture people that really it's are motivated. If, when you generate, right? you don't have to tolerate. That's right. And here's the thing. People who have to sell a home are actually fairly easy to work with. Yep. So They uh, are. They're motivated. Because <laughs> they, guess what? Have to sell a house. So they sad. want you to help them solve a problem. Yeah. You know? And so, guys, listen. That we, we went down a rabbit hole. But yeah. it is so true. And it's one of our favorite rabbit holes ever. And the reason we like it is because we know globally, I suppose, but mostly in the United States, 92% of you are listening to us in the United States. I know what we just said has changed at least, you know, 10 people's lives. I know there are at least maybe 20 of you, maybe 30 of you that are listening to us and are saying, you know, I have a team that's not working. I have a brokerage that's not working. I don't want to feel like I'm a failure because I couldn't make this thing work. You're not a failure could you because you couldn't make this thing work. It just doesn't work. That's right. it. Now, the model that you're following, a lot of you guys are blindly following, you know, the Gary Keller millionaire real estate thing. It was written back in the 90s and it was written before commissions were essentially on average less than 3%. It was written before the advent of all buying buyer leads. If you read Gary's book, the essence of it was everybody has to proactively lead generate. (gasps) Who says that? Tim and Julie Harris. Right. So you have to teach your team. If you want to have a team, you have to teach them to have a skills based based approach. That way you have a profitable business. But you guys don't know how to do it because you've not done it. So you've got to learn how to do it. And once you learn how to do it, then you can have freedom. And it's incredibly important that you listen to what we're saying, because as this market continues to pivot into whatever's next. 
right? The importance of knowing your numbers is going to be more so now than ever because you cannot count on um, essentially the fluidity of cash flow that we've had for the past five years. Now, things might be even more buoyant. The market might even be more crazy, which even makes it even more important to have a skills-based approach because more people then will get into the real estate business and they'll all be running to the buying of buyer leads and the easy buttons just as many of you guys have been falling prey to that for, what, over a decade. Anything else you want to say to these guys? Yeah, I'll leave them with my math thought not doing something about this you really are turning your back and saying no no thank you to that pretty easy business once you figure out a few scripts no thank you if you had to if you had the same conversation with your spouse or significant other or your kids and you said you know what i heard about this thing on this podcast today that if i just do this i can have that but you know I don't know. It just seems too hard to I'm me. I'm going to make it more complicated. It won't work in my market. I'm going to go believe some fairy tale about having to basically so, create a bunch you of YouTube have to do videos. That. You just boost your this and your that. Exactly. And be okay. And, and honey, we can just wait for that to work. Right. And I'm going to, oh, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to do some open house or not some open houses, but I'm going to do some postcards. Open houses, by the way, kick ass. Especially now. Right, exactly. Assuming you're allowed to do them. Right, yes. Exactly. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. Which we should have on a podcast this week. But Absolutely. So, um, Julie, here's so the that's, thing. So that's my parting thought is, you know, turn your back on that if you want to, but make sure you discuss it with your family so they know what you're doing. Exactly. Make sure you apologize ahead of time for the future version of you who is going to be uh, like lamenting the laziness of the current version of you. So write it. So write a letter. Dear future Bob um, you know it's now 12 months when I'm writing this letter and you know I want to well let's just be honest apologize for being lazy and I did find uh, the fairy tale of making a whole bunch of uh, YouTube videos and Instagram boosting and doing all this other Mickey Mouse I did actually do all that stuff and you know like these goofballs Tim and Julie Harris told me it didn't work but I wanted to do it anyway even though in my heart of hearts I knew it wasn't going to work but listen future version of Bob Here's the bad news is we've wasted a year. I've spent an untoward amount of money and time on basically, you know, chasing rainbows. And now the reality of it is, is I realize that you are going to have to suffer because not only are you going to have to pay off the credit card debt from all the gimmicks that I've basically been blowing our hard earned money on. But I'm also now going to have to ask you to, well, work five times harder because now you have to catch back up, <laughs> you know. Yep. Now, so here's what I want you to do, a future version of, of you. Um, uh, just listen to what Tim and Julie say. Join their coaching program. Read their book. Do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That way, the future version of you a year from when you're now reading this letter is not going to be hating on the current version of you. That's right. Instead, <laughs> you'll say, thank you, past Bob, for not having to waste all that time and money and having to investigate and prove it yourself. You know, thank you, past Bob, for getting it together and just picking up the phone. Yeah, Seriously. or just doing all the other numerous things we tell you how to do to proactively go after the business that's already... If you don't do it for yourself, do it for us. Make our lives easier. Why do we have to beg you guys to make income like this? Hold on, Julie. They're, they're, I no, know. You gotta, I'm you just got, you got to really frame that out. If everyone immediately <laughs> got our message, we'd have nothing to say. Well, that's true. It's called, uh, what is it, coaching um, job security? Yeah, this is job security. That's true. Yeah, they're, right. they're, I take it back. Their hesitance to learn. Rewind. And, and, and actually, we should be praising all the goofball competitors that we have because they're the ones that are making what we sell That's that true. much more relevant. And much more effective, too. But unfortunately, that isn't how we actually think. No. What we actually think about is the fact that we want you guys not just to survive, but to thrive through this market transition. So on the other side of this, you guys are experiencing quality of lives from having helped other people That's that right. you could have only dreamed of because you were willing to do what you didn't want to do and you didn't want to do it at, for a very long period of time. That's called life, guys. Everything worth having is going to take a hell of a lot longer than you think it should. That's only the unfortunate truth. Um, so listen, guys, if you want to look, join our free coaching program, just text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. If you want to talk to me, 
about joining our EXP group, as I am confident, you know, dozens of you do every single week, just go ahead and text me directly at 512-758-0206. And look, everyone should be taking a hard look at the brokerage that they're with. You need to take first steps and learn about why so many, literally tens of thousands of agents are joining EXP. Um, Text me directly, 512-758-0206. When you do, I'm going to text you back. I'm going to ask where you are on the, you know, essentially your readiness scale to join EXP. And if you're just seeking information, that's perfect. I'll email you a big group of, essentially it's our EXP pre-listing pack. Answer all your questions. And then you and I will have a conversation maybe a day or so after you, after you've absorbed all that information. And then most of you are going to move forward and you're going to want to join Julie and I at EXP. So go ahead and text us directly at 512-758-0206. Anything else you'd like to say? Nope, get to work. That is a really cool toenail color, by the way. What is that color Thank you. called? It's called Mermaid. That looks like something Zoe would like. I Definitely. I think she picked it out, actually. <laughs> I bet you she did. <laughs> Thank you. So, guys, remember, you can listen to our podcast at any time on iTunes, Stitcher, um, and you know we're on Audible now. We're on Spotify. We're on just every single place you could possibly expect to find a podcast. We're there. Thank you for listening to the number one daily listen-to uh, coaching podcast for agents in the United States and hopefully the world. Have a fantastic day, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.